team. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Podcast. That's right. We are in the Freedom Hut, and we have much to discuss, including are American flags now a conservative symbol? Democrats embracing their identity as the anti-American party. Biden ran on funding the police. You won't believe what the libs are saying now. And the Afghan army is collapsing as the withdrawal occurs in Afghanistan. That's some of what we're going to get to today. And uh, remember, you can help us spread the word about the Buck Sexton podcast by giving it five stars, telling a friend, share it on your Facebook page, email it to someone, tell them that uh, this is a podcast worth listening to. Remember, you are the people out there who can actually spread the word. And we're going to keep doing this every day because we have a lot of folks who really just want Buck going, I dare, dare I say, Buck Wild. I, I think that's a, a fair way to describe it. But these days, I'm really an on-demand guy, especially things that I've gotten used to using over the past year. You know, I'm a Netflix watcher. I, I watch Amazon Prime. I'm somebody who wants to have things when I want them. And this is why when I've used Podium, that's right. When I've had businesses that have Podium set up and I've been able to interact with them, it's a game changer. Here's what Podium is. You have a text messaging service that allows you to do all of your customer interactions, get all the business done that you need. All of your employees can text from a single inbox, which gives a smoother experience for all customers. Answering any questions, just send a text. Collecting reviews, send a text. Scheduling an appointment or delivery, send a text. And even payment collection. That's right, text. So much easier. I mean, how many of you would rather receive from a business text messaging instead of a call from someone you don't want to talk to? How many of you would rather just send a text, get a response, instead of waiting for a customer service person after 20 minutes, 30 minutes on the phone? This is why Podium is a game changer, okay? Whether you're a local service professional like a, a dentist or if you're a retailer, a home service provider, you need Podium for your business. Trust me, once you give this a shot, you'll love it and your customers will love it. Today's customers expect everything to be on demand, even from local businesses. Stay ahead of the competition with Podium. They have free plans for growing business plus all the power of growing businesses. Plus, you get everything you need to scale it up. Get started free today at podium.com slash buck. That's podium.com slash buck. Podium.com slash buck. Try it today for your business. It is a game changer. Are the American flags over Independence Day weekend, no less, are they triggering the libs? This is the question you have to ask yourself. This, this is something you need to give some thought to because they certainly are. The left has, has more or less admitted at this point that they have, they have real concerns about how, oh my gosh, there are all these, all of these people with their, their American flags hanging off of their trucks and their, their homes. Yeah, it turns out there are a lot of people out there who want to celebrate Independence Day. I mean, they, they want to celebrate it. It's not something they're ashamed of. But if you think about what we see from the left, they are very, uh, they're very cautious about American flags. They feel weird about it. Here you go. A 4th of July symbol of unity that may no longer unite 
In a Long Island town, neighbors now make assumptions, true and sometimes false, about people who conspicuously display American flags. This is in the New York Times, all right? Just to be very clear, this is actually in the New York Times. Okay, here we go. Uh, South Old New York, this is uh, published on July 3rd. The American flag flies in paint on the side of Peter Triber Jr.'s potato truck, a local landmark parked permanently on County Route 48, doing little more, he thought, than drawing attention to his family's farm. Until he tried to sell his produce. At a local green market where things uh, sell like bergamot, honey, and sunflowers, he had trouble striking a deal until, he said, he let his liberal leanings slip out in conversation with a customer. She said, oh, wow, you know, I wasn't so sure about you. I thought you were some flag-waving something or other. Mr. Triver, 32, recalled the woman saying, and citing his potato truck display. That's why she was apprehensive of interacting with me. He paused. It was a little sad to me. It shows the dichotomy of the country that a flag can mean that. I had to think, do I need to reconsider having that out there? Are you, are you a Trump supporter with your flag, sir? Are you really a, a Trump supporter? That's, that's what people get worried about. That's what the left, that's what the libs are so concerned about. They go, oh my gosh, you mean that you think that America is a great place and you want to celebrate it and, and share it with your fellow Americans and, and you're not ashamed? What about the history? The history of all the bad things, the naughty things, the horrible things America's done. I don't know. Can we not talk about that maybe as much on Independence Day weekend? Is, is that fair? You know, it's, some, it's like America's birthday. Do, do you show up at a friend's birthday and be like, uh, hey, Bob, happy birthday. By the way, you're a drunk and your wife was right to leave you. You know what I mean? That, that, that's more or less what the left does now on Independence Day. And it's not just for attention. And I think this is important. They really feel this way. This is actually what they think of people who want to celebrate Fourth of July weekend and and the country that they're celebrating. I mean, to give you a sense of just how clear this is, you even had some members of of Congress over the weekend expressing their disdain for this country. When they say that the Fourth of July is about American freedom, this is Cory Bush writing this. Quote, remember this, the freedom they're referring to is for white people. This is stolen land and black people still aren't free. Um, That is a lie. Uh, Black people, white people, all people in America do have the same rights under law and are free. So that's a horrible thing to say. But she said it, of course, because she's a leftist. And this is what Democrats who have become psychologically infected with critical race theory and Marxism and racial Marxism, this is what they think of the country that has put them in such positions of power and authority. It's not just there. Here's NPR. 245 years ago today, leaders representing 13 British colonies signed a document to declare independence. It says that all men are created equal, but women, enslaved people, indigenous people, and many others were not held as equal at the time. Oh, wait a second. 
So so we have NPR reminding us that, yes, over two centuries ago, America was a, a deeply imperfect place where there wasn't equality. But what's so fascinating is what country 200 plus years ago did have total equality? What, what, what country did have, oh, I don't know, women voting, a ban on slavery as wrong always in principle? And not just uh, situationally wrong. If you look at other countries historically around the world, you have a lot of difficulty finding that 245 years ago. And then, of course, two and a half centuries ago, you're not going to find a lot of countries that were really where they needed to be on LGBTQ plus or trans rights. So can we celebrate any aspect of a country from a long time ago? I mean, are, are we allowed to be excited about uh, the works of Michelangelo or or the advances of Isaac Newton or Copernicus, because I assure you they were not woke. Ah, see, we, we start to run into the problem here. We start to see just how insane this really is. Oh, and, and Corey Bush's point that this is stolen land, uh, the history of the human race is conflict and conquest everywhere, all over the world. Name a continent, name what is now a country. Obviously, there weren't countries when you go far enough back, but anywhere all over the world, it has been conquest. In some cases, it has been all out genocide and extinction of fellow uh, fellow human beings, different tribes, etc. But no, we, we elevate in this country, we elevate the Native American population to peace-loving and in harmony with nature. Really? Anybody who spent much time reading about the Comanche, for example, and their practices, including slavery, may have a hard time with that. Or the Aztecs and their massive slave empire and human sacrifice. They might have a harder time telling everybody that they, uh, they thought that they were in harmony with nature. But here, for example, at, at independentchronicle.com, a website I hope you all become familiar with, independentchronicle.com, you have in, indigenous leaders. This is the headline. Indigenous leaders calling for the closing of Mount Rushmore, first step for addressing the harms of colonization. So they want us to, uh, they want us to turn over Mount Rushmore, and they say it should be turned into something like the United States Holocaust Museum because of broken treaties and things of that nature uh why is it that this 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 logic for the left only applies in america because much of what we now think of as the the arab muslim world for example is on stolen land i know we only ever hear about the israeli palestinian issue even though israelis have been there you know look at the bible and history for thousands of years but you'll be told oh but because of al-nakba in 1947 or 1948 uh you know that that's why we have to back the palestinians this is what the left will say meanwhile look at the history of what is today's syria lebanon lebanon's in really bad shape their currency is down 90 percent. i don't know if you've seen that just a side note having one of the worst economic collapses of the last 50 years Uh, It's a a shame. But anyway, if you look at the history of North Africa and uh, Turkey, right, that's all stolen land. 
That's all conquest and jihad. All of it belong to Christian countries, the Christian faith. But, you know, we don't sit around saying until Turkey hands over its hands over all of its territory to Greece, we are not going to have diplomatic relations with them. We live in the world as it is today. And, and you could do this all over the world. I mean, you could talk about this all over the place. There's also such an unwillingness to discuss the, the primary historically by far the primary uh, driver of the uh, large scale um, uh, large scale destruction of Native American peoples in America was disease. It was disease. Ninety five percent plus of the casualties suffered in, in what we call the new world came from the spread of diseases like smallpox, as well as many, many other things. But that's actually what depopulated much more so than now that's not to excuse any any bad actors in history and there were plenty of them who were terrible to the native americans but the native americans were also engaged in conquest and destruction of each other and also the native americans sometimes engaged in the slaughter of some colonists so bad stuff happened it's just just the reality of it um you can actually go back and find uh the history of uh, the the history behind the book Last of the Mohicans, James Fenimore Cooper, and that was a that was based on a true incident where Huron uh, Native Americans set upon after a a British fort was handed over to the French to a General Montcalm, uh, the British were set upon by a Huron ambush, and uh, men, women, and children were killed. Anyway, it's just a side note. If you have not seen Last of the Mohicans. Really worthwhile movie. Holds up incredibly well. Might even make it into my top 10 all-time war movies, honestly. It's, it would be toward the... It might be number 9 or 10. It probably is more like a top 15, but it's a really... For, because it's the only movie about that period of history, and it's really good, very, very worthwhile. I'll, I'll also tell you all that I, I watched uh, The Tomorrow War with Chris Pratt, whom I'm, I celebrate Chris Pratt's work. And I mean, I I just think Chris Pratt's really good. I I thought he was great comedically in Parks and Rec. And I think he's a really good, uh, you know, lead actor in, in action movies as the, as the hero. I think he does a really good job and he comes across at least as a very likable fellow. He's solid in it, but the, the movie has a cool concept. It just doesn't execute on it that well. It's on Amazon prime for any, you want to watch it, but that's what the, uh, the Snow Princess and I watched that one on on uh, Sunday, and that was kind of our Fourth of July celebration. We watched, we ate some good food, and watched the Tomorrow War. Oh, one other thing I wanted to tell you all about while I've got your attention: there is Buck Sexton merchandise out there, T-shirts, mugs, amazing stuff. All you have to do is go to bucksexton.store that's bucksexton.store and there's a mug there's a there's a team buck t-shirt there's a mug um there's more t-shirts coming there's more designs on the way so and i also want to find out a way if maybe we can have uh have the team come out uh and and if anyone has any ideas for designs or something i mean i i think that would be cool i don't know if there's a way that i could 
you know, have a contest where I pay somebody for the coolest T-shirt design. I'm thinking about stuff like that to do. But anyway, BuckSexton.store if you want to get a Team Buck T-shirt. And we're just getting started with it, but it is open. and It is, it is happening. Uh, the mug, the Buck Sexton Show mug, is also a prized item. So uh, please go get that stuff. And that's just all, to be clear, I mean, I hope you love the T-shirt. You know, my mom and dad are always wearing their Team Buck and the Buck Never Stops and Shields High T-shirts. We're getting Shields High T-shirts made, too. Uh, but it's just a way for you to also show support for this, the podcast. This is a, a different entity, the Buck Sexton podcast, than what I now do as a three-hour-a-day radio show. And so this has to be, just so you all understand, this is a standalone uh, business now. So buying the mug, buying the T-shirt is a way for you to say, hey, I, I, I want the Buck Sexton podcast to, plus you get a nice T-shirt. It's cool. You're part of the team, right? Um, but it's a way of voting for keeping this show on the air. So BuckSexton.store. That's where you go for that, uh, bucksexton.store, and you can get yourself some gear. And we'll get more options there, too. So if you don't see something you really love right now, give us about a week and come back and check in because we're, we're working on designs as I speak to you. So the left is also trying some really interesting stuff right now. I mean, there, there's some things going on that you got to say, wow, the chutzpah. This is remarkable um they they were when the time they thought was in their favor for it they were all about defund the police they were they were big defund the police people i mean they were the only defund the left is where defund the police comes from and so what ended up happening well they got their way for a while unfortunately there was a period where uh, defund the police was a way of mobilizing the left against Trump in the election year. And they were largely successful in doing so at the time. There was essentially a get out the vote effort by putting uh, by, by pretending that we weren't all under lockdowns and telling people all across America that that were leftists. Now's the time for you to, to push for police reform. Now, let's just remember this. Uh Police reform did not happen. That didn't happen. There, there was no major police reform effort. So when they talked about that, that was a total miss. So what did occur? What actually did happen? Well, there was some defunding of police in places like New York and Los Angeles. You know, either an effort to begin defunding or an actual cut in the budget in New York, Los Angeles, Minneapolis, Austin. This is something that is so obvious that it's almost embarrassing to say out loud. It turns out when you have rising crime and you have people who have been told to essentially turn against police when you have that going on. And then you cut the police budget. Bad things happen. And you may, you may have even seen just in the last 24 hours. And there's a video in San Francisco of four or five people broad daylight i mean it's like noon west coast time something like that and they go into a neiman marcus you know which is a, a high-end uh, department store and they just grab as many two thousand three thousand dollar handbags as they can and just take them and just go there there are security guards apparently there they can't do anything about it because we've created a society now where if you try to stop someone from stealing from you 
and you lay hands on them, it is more likely you will be arrested for assault than that they will be held to account for theft. That's that's the situation as it plays out. San Francisco says that uh, the DA there, Chesa Boudin, who's a who's a Marxist, they've got these Marxist DAs, district attorneys in places like Philadelphia and San Francisco. Philadelphia is on track to have its most violent year in history this year. The most murders and shootings it has ever had. Do you think that maybe there's a combination here of BLM activism, defund police and Marxist DA and some of the changes in law enforcement policy that comes with all of this? No more cash bail, uh, not enforcing low level offenses. Do you think that maybe that all ties together? And that's some of how we get to this point where things are getting so much worse. Yeah, everyone can see this. These things that I'm saying to you, I know, you know, and I know these things are obvious. They are obvious. And yet to the Democrats, somehow they weren't. In fact, you're watching something that is truly remarkable. Truly remarkable. The uh, White House Press Secretary Jen Sakibam said this just a few days ago about this administration and police play uh, cut three. And the president ran on, most importantly, did not run on defunding the police. He's always opposed defunding the police. I'll also note, because you've asked this question before or a few times over the last several days, that when we talk about uh, individuals uh, in Congress and their support for funding or uh, opposition to funding for the police, I think what the American people are most focused on is how people vote what their record is, which is a public record. And I will note that while the president ran on and won the most votes of any candidate in history in a platform of boosting funding for law enforcement after Republicans spent decades trying to cut the COPS program, which again is public record. We don't need to uh, under, under, uh, undervalue the, the intelligence of the American people. Uh, the president ran on increasing that funding. It's in his budget. It w- in President Trump's budget, he significantly cut that. So that's a change. It's breathtaking, isn't it? Oh, that's right. Joe Biden ran on funding the police while Republicans for decades have been cutting police. It's amazing, isn't it? They'll just they'll just look you in the eyes and they'll lie to you and they'll feel good about it. They don't care. It's about power. It doesn't matter. The truth is an impediment. And so therefore it has no value. That's right. This Joe Biden is the pro police candidate. Okay, let's just let's deal with the reality here for a second. Yeah, Biden wasn't running around saying defund the police because he knew that that was going to be a problem for independence that he was trying to swindle. And unfortunately, was somewhat successful in that into voting for him, particularly in the suburbs of some purple states. But does he ever say that defund the police is reckless? Does he ever say to Democrats They should stop that. It's stupid. It's dangerous. It's putting lives at risk. No, of course not. Democrats want to have it both ways. They want to have the lunatic left fringe go out and and do what they do to raise money and to mobilize the Democrat shock troops in the streets for protests and, yes, riots. They they want to be able to do that and not be held to account in any meaningful way. They, They just want to be able to get away with all that. 
And so Joe Biden gets to say, Murder. Uh, no joke. Police you know, uh, support law enforcement, but we but we need we need also, you know, do all this stuff to make the cops better. These cops aren't good enough. Here's the truth. Cops in America are good enough. We don't have a systemic law enforcement problem in America. We have a systemic crime problem in America. The problem is not with the cops. The problem is with the criminals. And that's what the Democrats do not either understand or accept. Just won't. They won't see what is so very obvious to anyone else who is paying attention. So I I just have to tell you, this is my, my patience for their absurdity is, well, it's non-existent at this point. Um, but when you see what the numbers are here, you see what happens in places like uh, Chicago over this past weekend. They, they may have had the most. Oh, that's right. It was the most all year. And you had 100 people shot, 18 fatally in Chicago just over this weekend. And at least 150 people shot and more than 400 shootings occurred over the 4th of July weekend. 400 shootings. 150 people fatally shot over the weekend in this country. It's a lot of people that were shot in one weekend. It's a lot of murders. These are murders. But let's let's talk more about maybe we could train police differently. Maybe we could get violence interrupters and they would do the, the interruption of the violence. And if we just had social workers, the social workers would be like, hey, man, like, like, don't be an evil criminal who's killing people, man. Like, doesn't work. We all know it doesn't work. And I suspect the Democrats do, too. But you have to remember. They many of them, I mean, many people on the left actually hate this country. And I think they believe that America deserves whatever suffering comes to it. And even if they can increase that suffering in some ways, it's almost like a purification by pain situation. You know, we, we, we're, we are paying the price for our sins in, in whatever way there is misery and violence in America. This is what the left actually thinks of this country. Just look at their rhetoric. Look at the way they always put America down and say we're so racist and we're systemically racist and law enforcement's the problem. You don't get the sense they actually want to stop this violence, do you? You don't get the sense that they actually believe that this is going to be going to be helpful in making people's neighborhoods safer and better do you no i don't think so when everything messaging changes people get afraid and they don't know who they can trust and there's inconsistency and i go with the cdc with this one not on this flip-flop by dr fauci i think if you've been vaccinated you're protected over 95 percent of the time and even if you got a case it would be really really mild yeah. so the idea of reinstituting masks in states that don't have as high a vaccination rate. What's the chances that you're going to bang into this virus if you're fully vaccinated? Almost zero. So it sends the wrong message and it gets in the way of a doctor like me trying to convince my patients to get the vaccine. Fauci's a disaster. Uh, Buck, you know, I don't know why you, you still talk about me. I'm just I'm trying to look at the data and and stop all the droplets with my with the mask and if you if you quadruple mask 
you'll, you'll stop more droplets, you know, and that's where you have the transmogrification of the uh, stipulation of the uh, decline of the parabolic infection ratio. Yeah, we, we, are we all are we all done with this guy? Are, are we all finally finished with this? Uh, but no, we're not. We can't be. I know there are a lot of you, you, you think that we're past all this. You think that we are done. And I can appreciate that for some of you. If you live in, you know, I can't even say Florida, because if you drive around in an Uber or if you're in the airport in Miami, you're wearing a mask, folks. It's not gone yet. It's still, I know we all want to just be like, oh, we're all done here. We're all finished with it, but we're not. And until we get the other side to finally concede reality, which is that masks did nothing that can be proven in a serious way by any real data to stop the spread of this virus. There's no proof of that whatsoever. Does not exist. If it did, trust me, you would see it. Oh, but Buck, there's a study. We did a thing where we had a mannequin with a, with a piece of gauze across its mouth. And we had a little spray bottle to, to replicate droplets. And when we sprayed the bottle, um, there was a condensation effect on the outer side of the mask. Yeah, no. Not, not what we're talking about here with an actual highly contagious aerosolized virus. I mean, I'll tell you this much. How many of you would think, and this is one way that I've been, I've been thinking about this. Let's say that COVID was something more like, in terms of the fatality rate, if it was more like um, smallpox, which kills about 30% of the people who get it. I mean, smallpox, the chance of dying from smallpox is very high. I mean, 30%. The Spanish flu was 5%, okay? So let, let's say that, that uh, this was an aerosolized virus that was, uh, had a fatality rate like smallpox. What, what would, how much money would someone have to pay you if I gave you a mask, if I gave you an N95 mask with a, with a cloth mask over it, and all you had to do was go into a, a room and expose yourself to aerosolized smallpox for 15 minutes, how much money would you, would you need for that? My answer is no money on earth. There, there's no, because I would, I would be legitimately very concerned about dying. And I, I don't care. You can give me a billion dollars. If I'm dead, I don't have a lot of fun with my billion dollars. You know, all you have to do is run these experiments in your head. You think about us and go, yeah, no, I don't, I don't have that much faith at all in masks. Not, not even a little bit. Um, but that's, what, that's really what we've been led to believe that it's very, very effective. And then they'd say, well, Buck, no one says it's 100% or, okay, well, well what is it? Then they open that question up. H- how effective are they really? How well do they work? 1% reduction, 5% reduction. I mean, tell me, they don't know. Can you imagine if someone was selling a pharmaceutical on, on the market in, in this country and they said, this, this prevents, you know, th- this prevents uh, stroke in, in a lot of patients. That's what they said. And you said, okay, what percentage? Show me the controlled, the controlled experiments and the scientific studies of this with a control group. 
show me what percentage of people had, you know, reduction in stroke. And they say, well, we have no idea. We just know that it totally, it like totally reduces stroke in people. You'd say that these people were nuts. Their drug would be denied. And if they gave this to people, they'd probably be subject to really serious sanctions. Anyway, look, the point here is that they're just, they're unserious about, about looking at this in a, in a scientific way. And, and they just keep telling us to, to wear masks all the time. Since we are in the Freedom Hut, we have friends of the Hut, so to speak, that join us now. And uh, Ned Ryan is one of them. He is the uh, guy behind a fantastic new book, The Adversaries, A Story of Boston and Bunker Hill. Ned Ryan, what's up, my man? Hey, Buck, good to be with you. Yeah, no, it, uh, the, the Adversaries really started with this fascination of, of the life of Dr. Joseph Warren, who was one of the main political organizers in Boston in 1774-75, but, but really grew from there because I just became fascinated with what were those last nine or ten months before Bunker Hill? Why did Englishmen, because 85% of Massachusetts at the time was direct English lineage, why did they start shooting each other? You know, what, what, what was the disagreement over? So it was really it became this nine or ten month uh, just kind of fascinating story that obviously culminates with the Battle of Bunker Hill on June 17, 1775, which is, of course, hugely important. It's the first set battle piece of the American Revolution. And really that moment where they decided we're not going to have compromise. We're going to have to settle this with with muskets and swords. And what were I mean, give us some give us a taste of of what you get into in the book in terms of some of the the dispute. Why did they start shooting at each other? So part of it. So Dr. Joseph Warren, obviously, is going to play a central plays a central role in this book. He's president of the Provincial Congress, becomes a major general in the new army. But I play out some of these themes, Buck, where they realize it's all coming down to they feel that that Parliament, the king's ministers, have taken away their natural rights to self-government, which they did. I mean, in 1774, the intolerable acts, the coercive acts, whatever you want to call them, basically took away Massachusetts' right to self-government. Uh, the very draconian, we're going to shut down the Boston Harbor. But it really came down to who decides, who governs. And it was I, I include this in the book. There was a really interesting interview with one of the last survivors of Lexington and Concord. And he was asked, did you fight because of the Stamp Act? And he said, no, I never saw a stamp in my life. Well, did you fight for because of tea? And he said, I didn't drink tea. I didn't know anybody who drank tea. Well, did you fight because you were inspired by some of the great English philosophers? And he said, I didn't read any of them. I just read the Bible, Isaac Watts hymns and the catechism. And the person asked, well, then why did you fight? Well, we fought because we'd always governed ourselves and always meant to, and Parliament, the King's ministers, meant that we shouldn't. And so it became this I, this struggle between who would govern and then who would make the laws. How would those laws be made? And I point this out, Buck, where these English colonists who came to the American shores brought with them English ideas. The Magna Carta, 1628 Petition of Rights, 1689 Bill of Rights, all of these rights that a lot of people today would understand, right? Free elections, free speech, the right to bear arms. You can't quarter troops in private homes. They consider these things sacrosanct. And the problem was the English on one side of the Atlantic viewed these ideas as sacred. They were in black and white. They're, you can't compromise on them. And Englishmen on the other side of the Atlantic said, yeah, these are more a series of suggestions that we find inconvenient in the short term. And you colonists on that side of the Atlantic, you're going to pay your taxes. You're going to pay for the damages during the Boston Tea Party. And you're going to submit. And if you don't, we will force you to comply with more men, more warships, more muskets, more cannons. And at a certain point, they realized, well, we, we can't agree on certain fundamentals and there's not going to be compromise. So we're going to have to shoot it out. Ned Ryan, everybody. The book is The Adversaries, A Story of Boston 
and Bunker Hill. Ned, just how did you do the research for this one? Because, you know, I like to do history podcasts, uh, but I usually do things on the warfare between uh, Muslim and Christian states. Well, from the Crusades all the way through into the 15 and 1600s. How did you do your research for this one? So a lot of it was going back and looking at original sources. I mean, there's diaries from British soldiers in Boston at the time, letters, uh, obviously Dr. Joseph Warren, his, his letters, his speeches. Uh, there's some great biographers from the 1800s of Joseph Warren. And then I went up to Boston. I took a couple of days, went up to Boston, talked to some you know National Park uh, rangers, did some on-site research at Lexington, Concord, Bunker Hill. So it just became one of these things where I looked at those sources, original sources. Obviously, there have been some great authors in the last few decades, Nathaniel Philbrick and his book on Bunker Hill uh, and some other books, and kind of just framed it out, did all the research, and then really started seriously writing October of last year and uh, then released on on Bunker Hill Day this year. So it it was quite the journey, Buck, but uh, pretty, pretty satisfying one. Ned Ryan, everybody, the book is The Adversaries, A Story of Boston and Bunker Hill. Get your copy today. My man, Ned, always great to have you, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Buck. Ned is such a good guy, I got to say. Really uh, solid, smart, worthwhile individual. Really like him. One of the, one of the, one of the better guys who does a bit of media these days and, and just out there. So, so do, do check out his book. He's, he's a great dude. So I, I got a couple of topics that I actually I got so into uh, some of the other things we talked about that I'll have to bring in tomorrow. One is, so this will be a, a tease for tomorrow, my uh, situation with Spirit Airlines. Yeah, that's right. I flew Spirit. I, see, I'm not fancy. Oh, I've got this big radio show. I'm not a fancy guy. I fly Spirit Airlines to get home. Yeah, I mean, there are other radio hosts and TV hosts who have private jets. I fly Spirit in coach. Uh, so, yeah, that's just that's just the way I am. Um, but I had a there was a uh, not not with me, but there was a mask issue on the plane that was just incredible. I'll, I'll give you the blow by blow of that. I, I wrote a Twitter thread on it that went kind of viral. And I've been meaning to tell you the team about how all that went. So that'll be something I get to uh, I get to tomorrow. Remember, roll call still happening, so send us. We'll do roll calls on Fridays. Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton for roll call. That's Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Or Team Buck, email us, teambuck at iheartmedia.com. If you're not already following me on Instagram, please do, Buck Sexton, and you can send us messages uh, messages there. Um, please, you know, it, it's it's best because I get there's a lot of bots and a lot of, you know, you know fakes and, and weirdos on uh, Instagram. So just say, you know, write roll call, uh, roll call, colon, and then whatever you want to say. That'll make sure that we put it in the roll call bin and it's not in the, my name is Yuri and I want a million dollars of your money if you put it in this uh, special Bitcoin place for me or else I take your home. You know, like I don't, I don't need Russian hackers coming at me on, on Instagram. Uh, Brandon, do you ever have Russian hackers come at you with emails or stuff these days? No comment. No comment from a Brandon who does a podcast called Appetite for Distortion. <laughs> I've been taking over. You should all check out. But then also he paid a ransom when we come at him with a ransom whale. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why Yuri. Yuri sounds like he's really straining. 
<laughs> I think my year happened all of a sudden. My Yuri is like Borat. I think I don't know. I, I'm not as good at, at accents like you are. Yeah, that that was well. That was like a little bit of a cross. That was almost like a Borat slash slash Russian because Kami <laughs> Bear is. You know what? I should bring Kami Bear back on the Buck Sexton yeah. podcast because now I can do whatever I want. Right? I, I don't have to do. I got no rate. We could actually use potty language here if we we're not going to. We could use salty language on this podcast, but uh, but we don't. Um, but but Brandon, something else to think about. You've never met Kami Bear, have you? I've only heard the stories, yeah, heard, the fairy tales. The, stories. the legend of Kami Bear continues. We got to find the old the Kami Bear intro music. I, I think he's got to make a comeback because then we can also have Kami Bear T-shirts in the store, which would be great. So we're we're working on that and more, friends. But really, it, it is so important that you help me uh, continue to spread the word about this podcast because, like I said, this is an this is a standalone project, a standalone business. Now it has. No, no, it's not from the big radio show. So this is and it's a different this is different every day than that show is going to be. And it's where I just get to talk about the stuff I want to talk about. Uh, so please uh, help me spread the word. Get this out to one or two friends. Uh, we're, we're doing pretty we're doing pretty well with growth month to month. Um, and, and that only happens because of all of you. So thank you so much for that. Obviously, we'll be back here tomorrow. Until then, shields high. All right. So 